gorgeous people, and welcome back to another episode of What Is This Feeling? An episode where I an episode, a podcast where I talk about everything gay, theatre, drag, spirituality, and sex. My name is Piotr, and I'm a Pisces. And this week, we're going to talk about stories. Do you like hearing stories? Are you a good storyteller? What are stories that still stick to you till this day? We're going to talk about it all today in this new episode of What Is This Feeling? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> My first memories of any storytelling, any stories being told, was from my parents and from my grandfather. And I was just, I loved hearing stories as a child when you go to bed and you get told stories, fairy tale stories. My grandfather loved talking about the war and it was just so intriguing and so special hearing him tell about his past and about what he's been gone through and everything so that's um always stuck with me growing up i listened to vinyls and to cassette tapes with tales on them and i feel very nostalgic still hearing them i um went on spotify the other day and i found literally old school vinyls of dutch fairy tales that i used to listen to and yeah, it's weird hearing them back, but it's very, very comforting. It's very nice. I'm going to talk about this in a bit, but I do feel the value of sharing your story. And I'm not just talking about how your journey to work was and that you, you know, that it's raining outside. Not not that kind of stories. The story that is linked to you and is personal to you, what you have been gone through or what you have experienced, I think... There's so much value in that, and I think, and I've discovered the importance of that as well. And let's go to the next segment. Doo, doo, doo. My pulse is rushing. My head is reeling. My face is flushing. What is this show? One of the biggest tips that I saw later in life, in a way, is the importance of storytelling, the importance of telling a story if that is through singing dancing acting that's the most important bit you are telling a story you're not you're not just singing a song you're not just moving your body it um at the end of the day it has a meaning and it has a story and one of the first people i have remembered very well in storytelling is a canadian actor who lived in the Netherlands for a long time, lives in the Netherlands for a long time. Uh, his name is Jimmy Hutchinson, and I saw one of his one-man shows where he was singing songs on the piano and sharing stories and jokes, and it was uh, so inspiring to see him enjoy himself and share himself with the whole audience. And I think that was one of the the earliest things of pure storytelling that I can remember. One that is a bit newer, um, newer, is that a word? Newer? Is, uh, I saw a play called Bleach from Lamco Productions here in London, and there was not a lot of people in the audience, sadly, but it was such a good, it was, again, a one-man show, and it has something special when there is a fourth wall, but you are, as an actor, presenting and telling a story I think it's uh I think I don't know it's very intriguing to me and linking to that the 
I used to work at the Phoenix Theatre and when Come From Away opened, that show is um, almost like a documentary musical, I feel. Again, there is a fourth wall, but they presenting the show sometimes without the fourth wall. It's it's I, I find it really interesting. And about 50% that has been done on stage is in storytelling. And then they switch back into being in a scene and then telling the audience, this happened to us, this is what happened. And it creates a connection. That's why I think that show is, is very special and very well done. And that's why people can relate. If it, it, if, it, if it is a conversation with someone, you know, you can watch uh, someone have an, a, a very dramatic scene with someone else or a very dramatic monologue. But if there's no connection with you and the audience, then what's the point? So I think storytelling with that as well is it's, it's very important. And I, I wish I discovered that more when I was in drama school. I think that would have helped me way more with what I was doing. You know, when you are having um, song and interpretation class and then the teacher suddenly stops you and says, okay, now do the song, but as a monologue. And I can tell you, everybody in my class would dread that. You would hate it to just suddenly stop singing and be like, oh yeah, do it as a monologue now. But it is so important to know who you are talking to, what you want to say. I feel the, <laughs> I don't want to say it, but the magic of the storytelling vibe is that it gives more freedom and it gives you a kind of platform of doing it. A little bit just like this. I'm, I'm telling a story. Hey. <laughs> oh, yeah. And... How cool is it? Because I, I'm very intrigued sometimes when people uh, from different departments, if it is in theatre, uh, in art and stuff, how they tell their story through their art. For example, their music, their costumes, their sets, their makeup, wigs, you name it. I think it's so special that people can transform what they want to say through those things. It will be too much to talk about and deciphering things like music and how certain music already has their own feel, their own heartbeats, that kind of thing. So uh, uh, hopefully there will be uh, something nice in the future. What I also love is like backstage stories. I love hearing backstage story, not like, oh, this happened, but more like, oh, we did that show, but actually backstage this happened. Or during that time I was going through this, but I, you know, did the show, whatever. So, in a way, for each segment, I want to do, like, a story, even though I'm already telling the stories, but um, this is a story of the theatre segment. I just thought back on uh, something that maybe audience doesn't know, which when I was in Shrek the Musical in the Netherlands, we sang I'm a Believer at the end. It's like the finale, the show finishes, la 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 la, and then we still have, like, a five-minute kind of hardcore, yay, I'm a believer. And for the previews, we sang it in English and we were just doing it and one point one of the I think the director or the producer came and he was like okay from uh, tomorrow on we're gonna do it in <laughs> in a Dutch translation and we're gonna rehearse it tomorrow in the afternoon and we're gonna do it in show so I think with those kind of things it's funny that the audience suddenly doesn't 
know that castes sometimes get things thrown at them and then you know the day after the second show they're just doing something completely different so the the day after we had a rehearsal and then we did the translated dutch version of i'm a believer in the show which um was interesting and very funny in general i i usually have that when things get translated to dutch it always um sounds a bit weird and it sounds less cool i think but yeah hey ho that was my that was my story oh mama it's drag and like i said i love hearing backstage stories so i do love a bit of gossip drama stories or just fun backstage stories again from drag queens that was a really big sign for example i love tricks and Katja and their show uh, where they just talk about what, what yeah, yeah whatever they want and sometimes when they just talk about different queens or different backstage stuff i think it's really fun and again drag queens are very creative in expressing their stories especially if there's uh, any more alter- alternative queens that have acts where they share anything political or just something comedic that they have a story to tell it really depends on what kind of venue you are in as well because if you go to you know to the two brewers you just want to have a nice fun sing along with a drag queen instead of them uh doing a personal you know act with things which uh, happened to me, and I discovered that that doesn't really work there. Now, the story in drag, the story for drag. I, years ago, and I was, I, even before I started doing drag, I think as well. I think maybe I even told, so I had a date with a guy. I think I even discussed that I w- wanted to do drag, but that person didn't told they that they were doing drag. Now, the date ended with them wanting to take the central line earlier home because they don't want to be in rush hour. So that was their excuse. No bitterness for me. A couple of weeks later, maybe a month later, I went out to GOI late and there was suddenly this drag queen that came up to me and she was like, hey, they started talking to me. And then she was like, you don't recognize me. I was like, no, no, I don't. Instead of her telling who she was, she left it there. And I was like, okay, cool. Now, I'm getting into drag, blah, la 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 la, and I am doing drag idol, and in one of the heats, there is a drag queen judging me. Now, she's giving me advice, la 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 la, and it's all cool. I went to sit down again and saw the other queens perform, and suddenly it hit me. That queen that just judged me was the same guy I had a date with. And I didn't, I didn't knew, I didn't knew who she was, also because she didn't told me. But that is kind of my, my, my interesting So I love it when I, when you go out and people don't recognize you in drag. I think that's really cool. But I, did, I didn't recognize that drag queen that I had a date with that didn't tell me that she did drag as well. So hey-ho, that was my, that was my drag story. Do-do-do-do-do. Welcome to the Zen Garden. Now, I have discovered <laughs> through life that hearing stories and hearing other people's stories and sharing your own stories has massive healing powers. It is ridiculous. 
I'm in a very cool journey of expressing my emotions and feelings to myself and to everyone around. Being aware of how you tell stories is an interesting one as well. For example, I was bullied when I was younger and I always said, oh, and but I'm fine. I'm cool. Like I grew from that, whatever. I grew from that and it's all fine now. So that's okay. And I just went past that whole kind of section of, I almost discredited that whole time period of me being bullied by saying I am fine now so I can move on and get it over with. Lots of other things people go through that I went through that I said, oh, that's fine. I am, I'm here. So I have conquered it. I have went past it. I'm fine now. But then when you proper tune in on exactly what happened and tune in on the energy and how that would make you feel now, I wasn't okay with being bullied. I I hated it. I didn't like it. I felt up. I didn't like going to school because of that. I didn't like walking past certain people's houses. Um, I was scared. I was feeling alone. I felt so many things, and me growing up and finally, in a way, getting out of those situations, if that is physically going somewhere else, and then saying like, okay, I'm in a new environment now, and I'm fine. I'm cool now because I moved on. And I don't even look at it anymore. It's like a film. It's like a film where someone is just going away and just literally walking away from all the troubles in their life. So yeah, so it's interesting how, and one of the things um, has to do with therapy, you become aware of different sides of stories. For example, I when I was working at a theater, I was at the bar and one of the supervisors was like, oh, um, can you jump on the doors, please, to help out with tickets on the doors to get all the people in? So it's like, yes, of course I will. So I walk to the door, open the door, and I get more people in. And then three drunk ladies walked inside. I checked their tickets. And as I do, they started feeling me up and squeezing my bum. And I got a bit angry and said, get in now. And they were just like, oh, and they got in. And after a minute... I walked inside and I went to a female colleague and I was like, you know what just happened? I, I just had three women, like they were drunk and they just came in and they fell, fell up my bum and stuff. And the way I told it was very easy and very like, oh, you know what just happened to me? That colleague said to me, that is not okay. That's not okay that they do that. You need to tell someone. And I was like, do I need to tell someone? Like, and she, she was like, yes, you've been like, um, <laughs> not abused, but like you've been not even, I don't know, is it called sexually assaulted? I don't know. She was, and she was like, no, you need to tell someone. And I was like, oh, and then the whole vibe of, oh my God, something bad has happened to me and I now need to tell someone. And then, you know, and eventually I told my manager and he was like, okay, if I see them, we're going to kick them out. But hearing her side or like her reaction to my story that just happened completely changed and in a way make me aware of other things that just happened. So I know things in my life that I said, oh, I'm fine because it's not happening now. It's not happening right in this moment. But looking back, it's like, oh, that was quite bad. Or was, what was quite sad. Like I remembered last year telling my therapist that I was, I'm an only child and I'm very good on my own. 
I'm very independent and I can take care of myself and I didn't really need anybody else when I was younger and I could play with myself and I could entertain myself. In a way, I was almost kind of, I don't know, made myself feel proud of, you know, being a small kid and you could just be independent like that. And I got praised by being independent around me at that time. And then talking to that therapist, he was like, well, that doesn't really sound really fun. That doesn't really sound very joyful. And I was like, no, it's not. It was horrible. And I just suddenly realized that what I had gone through and made a story for in my head that it wasn't okay and that it wasn't fine. And then I just had to see uh, another side of it. Yeah, no, that was nice. <laughs> Thank you for listening already. Thank you for listening. And when it comes to two stories, I like, I, I'm very visual. Like I said, I'm very good with faces. I'm very visually focused. I don't know how to call it. How's it called? Uh, so when there is a story, that's why I quite enjoy uh, books from Stephen King and Roald Dahl because they're very visual. They're very, he's explaining it very good in how certain worlds are. Now, for example, one um, kind of story, one scene in a film that really hit me when I was younger. I think I was like 15, 16 or something. And I saw the curious incident of Benjamin Button in the cinema. A massively long film. Incredible. But there is one scene of the lead... The leading lady. And she is a dancer. I can't remember what kind of dance she does. If it is ballet or something. And she did a rehearsal, whatever, or a show. And she's amazing. And she finally is doing what she wanted to do, which is perform. And then she walked out the stage door. And then she get hit by a car. And then she gets into the hospital and then the doctors tell her that she can never dance again. And when that happened, it struck me so much because maybe I was 18 because I was proper in that kind of mood. I was proper getting into drama schools and musical theater. And I felt that was the biggest drive in my life, theater and if there would be anything or anyone that could stand in my way, I wouldn't let them because I knew that will, what that is a thing I was going to do and want to do because it had so much value in my life at that time. So when I saw that, I was hor I, found it, I don't know if I cried in the cinema. I can't remember. I think I did. The day after, I think it was breakfast even. I was having breakfast with my parents and then... They told me how the, the film was and I was like, good. And there was this scene and I was like, I need to tell this scene. So I started to tell about this scene and I get emotional again. And I get like, I don't want to say hyped up, but I get proper emotional about what happened in the scene. And I, I couldn't say, oh, I don't want anyone to stand in my way with finally the passion that I found and finally something that I can link to being a person. No, I just told the, the scene and I got emotional about that and that that was the thing so I think it's really um, yeah I don't really know how they really responded to that in a way I can't really remember 
but it was a great kind of cover up for like how I was feeling but it was in a a different version <laughs> it was in a scene of a film except except for me telling me how I felt now going into the more spiritual uh, side of it story story spiritual story I can't remember if I told you this before but I was in a tour in Germany for for three months and every day you were in a bus for five six hours and I would listen to certain podcast workshops about energy healing, about entities, about all those kinds of things. Now, at one point I was so in the zone. I was in like a meditative state and I was just chilled and it was cool. And the, the, uh, you were just, you know, the landscape was passing by and cars would pass by. And I was like, I'm going to do, I'm, I'm so, I'm feeling so cool. I'm going to do a little test with myself. So there were trucks driving past and our bus drove past trucks and I was like, I'm going to make a little little game with myself. I'm going to find out who is driving the truck. So when we drive past a truck, uh, I would say, who, who's, how does the truck driver look like? And then I said, okay, he has brown hair, he has glasses and he has a beard. And when we would drive past the front of the truck, I would look who was driving and it was a guy with brown hair, a beard and glasses. And I was like, oh, okay, this is interesting. And okay, the next one comes past and I was like, who is driving the truck? I get, he's bald, again, a beard and white. And when we drove past, I looked and he was white, had a beard and he was bald. And I was like, oh my God, what is happening? What is this? And then it was a sense of, ooh, and a sense of, I feel I know everything. <laughs> it was it was an interesting feeling. I kept on looking into the landscape, and Germany is really beautiful. And there was a road far ahead, and there was a car, in, a car driving on the road, which was like tiny, tiny in the distance. And then I was like, what would that car look like inside? And then suddenly as like a vision from like a film, I felt I was zoomed in and I could feel and smell the leather of the seats, all the black leather seats and the dash top thingy and stuff. And then I zoomed out with fear, fear. I, felt, I literally felt fear and that made me zoom out proper and made me come back into the bus again sitting in my seat and uh, uh, yeah just a massive emotion of fear came over me of like wow this is too intense this is too intense I, ca I can't handle this and I need to um, cut that off so I don't think I've ever had that kind of experience again with tuning in on or into certain places and people so yeah, that was my uh, story story of um, spirituality. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Sex stories. You're looking for sex stories. One of the things I used to love, used to love, I still love it, um, but I don't really play it a lot, is Never Have I Ever. So Never Have I, Never Never, Never Have I Ever is a drinking game that you can play, you get a glass with whatever you like to drink 
And then you would say, never have I ever something, something. And if you would have done that, you take a drink. And if you didn't do it, then you just leave. Oh, leave. You just don't drink. <laughs> you just leave. No, you just don't drink. And you could also be, oh, I see that person drink that they have done it. I'm going to say, oh, I drink on the story of so-and-so. And when you do that, so-and-so needs to tell and share the story to the group. I used to love it because usually you would talk about sex. And I think that's uh, very fun to do, especially when you're a little bit tipsy. Just normalize and talk about sex to people. And I don't think that happens quite a bit. But I think getting that kind of breaking the ice with this game, I think I always loved it. So... If you ever played it, yay! And if you haven't played it yet, try it out. Organizer never have ever <laughs> night. Yeah, and I used to. I don't. I don't know. It was a. It was a mix of. I'm excited to tell or like show what you have done, and it was. It was a kind of kind of uh, a a mystery kind of thing as well. Of of you say like oh, never have ever you know, taken drugs, or had a threesome, or uh, had a dildo, or that kind of stuff. Um, or have I had sex with someone in this room? And when people would drink, you would just get more intrigued of what actually happened and what actually, want, you know. So, and then sharing a story, is, yeah, I think, I don't know. I, I, I like it. I love it. And if you ever had played the game... You then you know this one person that would say never have I ever and then say something that they did and then in front of the whole group takes a big sip to show off that they have done that. Those people. I know who you are. And that's why I think as well, I when I think of a never have ever, I don't want it to be something that I did because I'm curious about other people. So that's why... It's a bit weirdly selfish that someone would think about something what they did themselves and wanted to show it off. Just saying. But maybe they do they want to show off. Maybe they like being showed off. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Hey. Hey. You okay? You yeah, you're in the pod. <laughs> well, hello. hello. Hey, everybody. Ooh. That was my boyfriend. He just uh, walked in. And <laughs> going back to uh, going back to stories and sex. Don't ask me how I got to it, but when I was looking at porn, I. You've got a section with stories as well, where they, you know, act out stories and stuff. And there was a video of The Wizard of Oz, the porn parody edition, where Dorothy... It, it was a full, like, 20-minute video with most of it, not even sex in it. And the last kind of five, eight minutes was the Tin Man fucking the Wicked Witch of the West. And... At the end, when the Tin Man was like, oh, I'm going to come, the Wicked Witch of the West got on her knees and called for Dorothy because the Tin Man had to shoot over Dorothy's face instead of over the Wicked Witch of the West face because otherwise, you know, she would melt. But the Tin Man didn't do that, so he shot over the Wicked Witch of the West face and Wicked Witch started melting. And that was the end of the, the video. So, uh, yeah, storytelling. I do like a little bit of a story background in porn, just a little bit like the 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 relationships between people. I don't I don't need a whole scene. I don't need, 
you know, all that bad acting and stuff. I don't need, you know, I don't need all that. I just need to know what the relationship is between those people. I think that's more attractive to me than a whole backstory of like, oh, can you help me with moving these boxes? And oops, you know, I think it's, uh, for me, it's, I think, more attractive to know kind of what relationships um, people have. Oh, and I wanted to talk about this in the previous section as well. People that lie. People that lie about their stories. So people that just make things up to sound more cool or sound more, you know. It is interesting. It is it is interesting how you can, because I think it will be so hard to make up a story, especially when it's involved with sex and other people. Because if you're going to make up a story that you have sex with other people, you eventually talk to that person and then they'd never had sex with the person who was lying. I think it's I think it's way too confusing to make things up. And it makes things harder as well. And not in a good way. So, yeah. And it's very unattractive when you make things up and lie over th stuff and just, you know, you know, yeah, you know. And the story of sex, my story of sex, I think if I would tell my story on here, I think I would um, get demonetized, uh, how do you call it, get blocked, whatever. So if you see me, buy me a drink and I will tell one of my stories that I can tell you. Um, but yeah, sorry, it's a, a massive boner killer, but yeah, sorry people. And on that note, I am gonna pull a card. Yes, I got back to the Kyle Gray's Angel Guide Oracle deck. And this card is for you. This card is for you for this week when this podcast comes out. Thank you, angels. Thank you, angels, for guiding my listeners. Thank you. What do they need? What do they need? What do they need for the, to know this week? Here we go. This is exciting. Oh. Blessings and abundance. Abundance. You know, when I was pulling the card, I had such like an exciting energy behind it, feeling. And when I am seeing the card, and it's such a fabulous card, it's so pretty. But I got quiet from it. I got um, peace. It was almost like things were standing still for a bit. Um, that's funny, because usually I get lots of... Um, things from a card but the only thing that is is proper standing out is is the the head <laughs> one thing that stood out in the booklet it says angel wisdom is encouraging you to begin counting your blessings to begin counting your blessings maybe that's kind of the the vibe i get to you get um instead of being out and and doing stuff um have some time reflecting and uh going inside and count your blessings yeah lovely people thank you so much for listening if you have any questions if you have any topics any fun juicy weird cool quirky sexy sections sections questions for me please message me on what is this feeling podcast on instagram you can send me a message send me a voice note do whatever you like 
Thank you so much, lovely people. Thank you for listening to my stories. Hopefully I can listen to your stories one day and listen to your feelings. Your feelings are valid. You are valid. Have an amazing week. Do it.